0: Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you, another round of applause. Come on, church. Wow. I really wish I could sing like them. Then I would not preach anymore. And I got a funny feeling when God gave out gifts to people when they were leaving heaven, some took more than their share, you know, and left some others like me Without much of those singing talents. But we thank God that regardless of, each one of us has a part to play. And together, you know, we are stronger, we are better. We bring our best to the table. And we do what we can do. And together, you know, we complement each other. And this is what church is all about. Don't you think so? God is good, isn't it? Amen, amen. amen. Welcome to our invite Sunday. We had a great service this morning, a number of them responded to God, gave their lives to Jesus, and this morning I also know that a number of you are back here again after being with us for the first time in our Christmas musical, Hope, and you're back. So welcome back to Agape, and this is what uh, church is like every Sunday, okay? Now someone says that uh, there is a God-like vacuum in every one of us that only Jesus could fill. No material things, no amount of riches, no amount of food even, no matter how good they may be, could fill that void in each one of us. There's that God-like vacuum in every single one of us that only Jesus could fill. You know, and as the song says, creation, you know, would we'll just sing your praise and so would I. And within each one of us are so many vital organs like the. The heart, the lungs, the kidney, the pancreas. Uh, what else did I miss? No, you know, uh, liver and all of that there in us that is necessary to function as a human being. But deep within each one of us, God has put something else in us. And that's what we call the spirit of a man or a woman. And it is that spirit that responds to God. And through that spirit, we begin to cry out and say, God, our Father, our Father. You know, and God actually uh, bears witness with our spirit so that we know that God is real. No amount of intellectual uh, uh, instructions or discussion can convince us that there is a God who is alive. When God begins to make Himself real to us, He aims not so much at the head but the heart. And it's deep within us that we feel and sense the presence of God. While we were worshiping God, I turn around, and I didn't quite turn around. I've created the art, preachers have created the art of just, just standing there and looking back. And then when we turn like that, you know, our eyes can see quite a lot of you, and I caught some of you crying and sobbing. That's God. God is real, and He's a mighty. And this morning, i am talk to you about the great almighty God who is a God of miracles. The team, as you have recognized this morning, if you have been tracking along, the songs that we sung. In fact, Larissa Uh, started the worship service by telling us that it is praise that brings down the blessings of God. It was praise that God brought down through praise that God brought brought down the walls of Jericho, opened prison doors, and no, it's through our praise that God will bring down the walls of divide, and God's going to do something very powerful. But yet this miraculous, miracle-working God is a down-to-earth God. He's not way up out there, but it's a God who has come near and come down. And this morning I'll bring you a message that will tell us three things about this great and mighty God. And my passage is from John chapter 2, verse 1 onwards, and I'll read. It says here, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. I believe it's on the screen and show you a track along. And the Bible says, The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one could hold some 20 or 30 gallons. And if you take the middle road, if each one were to hold 25 gallons, you know, six water jars would probably hold. 150 gallons of water. Fill the water jars with water, Just told the servants. And the jars were filled right to the brim, and he said, Now dip some out, dip some out, and take it to the master of ceremonies. So servants followed his instruction. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though the servants of course knew, he called the bridegroom over. Hey, a host always serves the best wine first. He brings out the less expensive wine later when they have too much to drink. But you have kept the best until now, you have saved the best for last. Now, this miraculous sign at Canaan in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and the disciples, the Bible says, because of that, believe or put their trust and faith in him. Three things about this miracle-working God. This miracle-working God, first of all, is God with us. God with us. There was a wedding, the Bible says. A couple who fell in love and was madly in love decided to tie the knot and decided to live life together forever as husband and wife. And so they sent out invitations And invitation cards were sent on, invites were made and extended and people started attending the wedding and as the celebrations went on, the Bible says something happened. Now, one of the hardest things to do when you are getting married, how many of you have been married before? For me, twice. Okay, now one at a time, okay. (laughs) I'm remarried because my late wife passed. How many of you have been married before? Come on. Or are still married? Okay, uh, how many of you, not married, but you want to get married? Come on. May God bless you. Some of you didn't raise your hand, you missed the boat already. So it's good to raise your hand, all right? Now, one of the most challenging things to do when you get married is what? What, what? Apart from the wedding gown, invitation cards, who to invite and who you want to invite but you just can't invite because you just got limited spaces. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Huh? And in life, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some people get an imitation card, ayo, no lah, summon again. <laughs> Must give ang Pao. You know, I say, oh no, this month really I got three, now four. Now some, when they get an imitation card, they're not happy. Some, when they don't get invited, they're also not happy. Huh, why didn't invite me? Ah? I thought I'm close to him. Some, when they don't get invited, they're very happy. I'm not invited, all right? But Jesus' mother was invited, so was Jesus and disciples. And guess what? They accepted the invitation. I've got a brother-in-law, I've had a brother-in-law by the name of Godwin Tan, uh, he's no longer here today, gone up to be heaven in heaven. but when we were all much younger, he used to work as a car electrician, okay wire man. and he got a lot of clients. and every so often he would get inv- invites to wedding uh, uh, dinners from his clients, some He's not that close, but, you know, they just felt that he has done a good job, so they invited him, and he cannot, of course, attend every single one of all those uh, wedding dinners. And so very often, because I like to eat, and I still like to eat, it shows, okay, and uh, he will ask me to attend a wedding dinner on his behalf. He says, here's the angpao, here's the address, here's the time, the place, just go on my behalf, and since I like to eat, just enjoy yourself. And so I've been to a lot of those dinners without knowing who the bridegroom and the bride and the couples are. And as I sit among their friends and relatives, I will ask questions like, you know, uh, how do you know, the? are you related? I said, I'm not related. So how do you know, boy side or girl side or what? I said, no side. You know, I, I don't know them at all. he said, why are you here? I said, oh, I came on behalf of my brother-in-law. And no matter what they think, who cares? I am there for the food. All right there? Now, and it's amazing how when Jesus was invited, the Bible says Jesus accepted that invitation. How do I know that? Because he was there. He was the midst of them. And Jesus himself is God because the Bible says the beginning was the word that refers to Jesus. Jesus, you no, know, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus being birthed this these is like God coming down from heaven to live like a man. And it's God who is with us. He could have easily rejected the, that, that invitation. I mean, Jesus was on the greatest mission ever being given to a person on earth. That mission was to go to a cross to die on behalf of mankind's sin and for man's sin. And he was on the greatest mission, busy as he was, yet he took time to be with people. In fact, the first miracle that Jesus performed was in the context of a community. In the context of community, within people. God is a God who is with his people. One of the names given to Jesus is that name, Emmanuel. Simply meaning, God with us. Not God who is remote, way up, out there on his high horse. But God who has come down and God who who has come near. This God is with his people. Always with his people. I shall be their God and they shall be my people. The Bible says the word became flesh. God taking form in the form, taking the form of a human being, birthed into this world, and he tabernacled. He lived amongst people. Now he's always a god for his people. In fact, the greatest ministry, most of Jesus' time in his ministerial time on earth, was not did not take place in the confines of a temple or a building. It took place in the marketplace, in the streets, by the seashore, where the people were. That's the kind of God we have. A God, you know, who is with us. And so, friends, regardless of the situations, regardless of the challenges, regardless of what you're going through in life, we want you to know that God is with you. He has never forsaken us. He is a God who has come down. In fact, a God who sticks closer than a brother. A God who men called King of Kings and yet a friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. See, God is not against us. God is with us. And the number two thing is God is for us. How do I know that? The Bible says that in this wedding feast, in the midst of all the celebration and festivities, something happened. Food, not so much food, food plenty, but wine ran out. I mean, have you ever organized a party? All right, we do. Recently, we have New Year's Eve celebration. Chap Gome is coming. You've got no one to invite, invite me please. You know, uh, we, we, have, we have all this, and, and, and recently, usually we have potluck dinner in my house on New Year's Eve. My sisters, my brothers, together with family, my nephew and nieces and great-nephew and whatever it is, they will come to my house for dinner. And this year, usually we have potluck dinner, but this year uh, we decided to cater, but caterers were, 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 were not available because Chinese New Year's Eve, you know, and so we managed to, so it fell upon me, so I just said to my sisters, you know, just come and have dinner in my house. Who is cooking? You are cooking, huh? If I'm cooking, no one would come, all right? And so they wanted to know the menu, et cetera. So I just said to them, the WhatsApp group text, I says, come, I have, I'm always a sucker for this, 3Ds I gave them, come discover, I said, be delighted or disappointed, but nonetheless, come, you know? And by the end of that meal, there was so much food remainder, then we ask people to pack, and then we send it to STM, you know, Seminary Theology in Malaysia. Uh, those students stayed back. You know, I think they could eat for another one or two days. So much food remained See, every time we have a party, we always prepare food. And when you prepare food, you prepare more just in case, or you prepare less just in case people don't turn up. More or less? More, right? Nobody will prepare, you know, when you have a party and say, uh, we invited 80 people, I think only 20 people will come. So, just on the safe side, 20 only, or maybe 40 only. No, right, you should prepare more, right? Huh? There's always that way. Recently, the youth alive had the, uh, uh, youth, uh, the, uh, the young adults had the uh, cell service in my house on Friday, and so we were told that they just want to use your place since you mentioned that you can use the place. So they decided to jump on the wagon, take advantage you know, of the offer. And so they came to my house on Friday night and all we were told was, Monica and I were told was, uh, you just provide the place, all right, and everything else they were handle themselves. I it? what about food, what about drinks? Oh, they will just take care of it all. And then we decided to, at least let us make the drink. And then... I told Monica I would get some fruits. I just love to cut fruits. I love the iron, and I love to cut fruits, all right? And uh, so we said we will provide the fruits too. And the rest, they said, oh, they'll take care of the food, everything. So when they came, you know, uh, some 30-odd people in my house, the small little hall there, I said I must do some renovation now. You know, and uh, as they were having their icebreaker and singing songs, I decided to go and take a peek at the food that was brought. Two packets, one fried rice, and one packet of fried noodles. And I thank God for Monica because she says, let's order, even though we said you never do anything in terms of food, she actually ordered some chicken and some vegetables, you know, from a caterer, and everything was there. And when I took a peek at the amount of, of, of noodles and, 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 and fried rice, I said, Monica, I think we need to boil rice. You know, And so she boiled rice. And so as they were worshipping, Monica and I were having a discussion to go and buy roti chanai or not. You know, Because we said, these are all young people. And, and as we were talking, as we were talking, finally I said, I think Monica, she wanted to go. I said, no, I think better not. Because we have learned from experience that so many parties that we have had, there are always more than enough food. So I said, let's, let's hold our horses. Not enough, not enough, not too bad. You know, but I think it should be enough. And there was just enough food, a little bit remainder. You see, when you host a party, you will always have more food, more in case, you know. But in this case, wine ran out. And it could be an embarrassment to the couple, to those hosting that party. And so Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, Hey, son, the wine has run out. And Jesus' response was, Dear woman, what is that to do with us? This is not our problem. We are just guests, remember? We are not the hosts. And when Jesus' mother turned to Jesus and says, Woman, what has that to do with me? Now, it just wasn't rude. I'll tell you why later. I hope I remember I'll tell you why later. I just said that, no, my time has not yet come. But Jesus' mother, knowing Jesus as to who, his real, who He really is, his real identity, that He is God himself, knew him well enough that he said to the servants, regardless of what Jesus said to her, "Whatever He says to you, just do it." And so nearby, the Bible says, were six water stone jars, stone jars containing water, that were empty. And Jesus instructed the servants, fill those six water jars. Each holding some 20 to 30, we take 25 gallons in one jar, 150 gallons. They poured 150 gallons into the six jars and fill it up. And then Jesus said, draw out some and send it, you know, to the master of ceremony. You see, Jesus, in that instance, when he did that, and then he turned water into very good wine, it tells us that Jesus was not a sadist. Jesus was not a killjoy kind of a person. If he were, his response would be different. If his mother would come to him and say, Jesus, the wine has ran out. Jesus respond, if he were a killjoy joy and a this, he would say, good on them. They shouldn't even be drinking in the first place. I mean, can you believe that? See, wine is, it is a symbol of celebration. And Jesus did not say that. Jesus instead perform a miracle and turns some 150 gallons of water into very good wine. How much is 150 gallons of water? Hmm. Hey. Wow. A wine bottle here. 750 ml let's say this is one liter one gallon us measurement how many liters but four liters All right to a gallon so 150 gallons if this one liter bottle how many bottles huh Six hundred bottles of wine. Who Cynthia will say, "Hallelujah!" <laughs> Six hundred bottles of wine. Can you believe that? That's the kind of God we have—extravagant, you know, generous to the very end. And then, you know, as they took out and served that wine to the master of ceremony, he tasted it. He says, "Wow!" You see, party has started for some time now. No matter how much wine they prepared, they always prepared more as our assumption would be, yet wine ran out. You know, so the people have been drinking for some time now. And when the master of ceremony tasted the wine, he was astounded, he was, he was blown away because he says, wow, this is very good wine. I'm amazed. Usually, people will bring the good wine out first because when you start drinking, your senses are not dull. You kind of know what is good and bad. But when you have too much to drink and you're almost drunk, almost over the hill, you know, you, you, you just can't make out good or bad wine. But it says you have kept the best for last. And there's a kind of God we have. A God who provides and provides generously and a God who turns the ordinary into extraordinary. Amen. <laughs> Friends, by the way, this is just grape juice. Now, some of you who made a judgment call on your pastor for bringing an actual wine bottle into the sanctuary, you need to repent now, you know. Jesus turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. This is the kind of God we have. A God who is not just with his people, but a God for his people. And friends, regardless of the challenges, the difficulties, the problems, you know, whatever you're going through, the bad that's happening to you, do not blame God because it's not God's doing. He's a good God. A man who was born blind, you know, was asked, uh, uh, did, uh, uh, a man who was born blind, uh, uh, there was a discussion among the people then, and they were asking questions like, why is he born blind? And so they began to theorize and said, uh, One group said, I think he must have sinned against God, and that's why he's born blind. So another group said, What? What nonsense? How can this guy even sin when he's in his mother's womb? So he was born blind. That means something bad happened to him. And if it is his doing and wrongdoing, it must happen in his mother's womb. How can an embryo even sin against God? So the other group says, nonsense. So the other group says, I, I know the answer. I think his parents sinned against God. That's why this the child was born blind. And when they turn to Jesus, Jesus says, Neither. It's not potato or potato. It's neither this nor that, you know, but it's so that the glory of God might be revealed. And Jesus touched that man, and he began to see. So much so that religious leaders asked him, tell us who made you see again? And this guy, having said it so many times, I've told you before a thousand and one times that Jesus did that to me. I don't know what your questions are, but all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. And the glory of God was revealed. And the same thing happened in this passage where the Bible says when Jesus turned water into wine, that was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and the people put their trust in him. See, friends, go beyond the miracles Go beyond the blessings of God and see the hand of God and see the face of God and know that it is God who has blessed us. Some of us sitting here have been blessed by God in such a tremendous way as you look back to a time when you had so little, the times when you, it was a survival mode, the time you wouldn't know whether you'd be alive or dead. And where you are now, don't forget the blessings of God. God is a good God. A God who is with us, a God who is for us. But the third thing is even more wonderful. It is a God, it is God not with us, just with us. It's not God just for us, it's a God and us. You see, that's what it's about. If all creation could praise you, so will I. If all creation would worship you, so will I. We have been created to worship God. From a time God created man, He said it it is very good. As in comparison and contrast to all the other five days He created everything that happened. He said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. But on the sixth day when He created man, the crown of His creation, He said it was very good. And very good is very good. (laughs) Alright? It's very good. And God had a relationship with man. Every morning in the cool of the day, he would come down, or evening, he would come down and have fellowship with man. But that day, man sinned against God. He ate of the forbidden fruit. He rebelled against God, disobeyed God, went against the commandment of God, and he sinned. And what did God do? God sought them out. He walked, came down, walked in the garden and says, Adam, Adam, where are you? He was seeking Adam out. Not that God didn't know where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to know that he is mindful of him. And that's why he called out, Adam, Adam, where are you? You know, it's God and us. You see, friends, I've been thinking a bit these days, especially in preparing this sermon, I said to myself, does God even have to send Jesus down on earth to die on a cross for our sins? He didn't have to. He could have just died in heaven or on planet Mars or wherever it is. And that sacrifice would still suffice. See, God could have Started all over again and said, Forget about this human race. Wipe up this whole generation and start again with another couple, another, a second Adam and Eve. He could have done that too. All right? But he did not. The song that was sung just now is special. You know, he did not abandon us. Is stuck to us. You know, it is God and us. And it's no wonder that God would choose to, to perform the first miracle in the context of community and the context of a wedding. Why? Because there will be a great wedding feast in heaven when Jesus comes back again, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we'll drink anew the wine that Jesus has prepared for us. He is the bridegroom and we the bride. So the Bible tells us that we are the bride of Christ. See, it's a relationship between God and man. More than just going and just coming to church and just worshipping, singing a few songs, going back. It's a relationship every day, you know, we, 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 when you are in love, every day there is that, that, that relationship with God, a communion, a, a contact, you know, a wanting to be with, you know, hearing from Him, listening to Him, being with Him. It's a relationship, God and us. And God wants you to know that He loves you, loves you enough to care for you, to provide for you, but loves you enough to want to be with you. You know, He died for our sins, but yet He would not force His way into our hearts and into our lives. The choice is ours. I'll bring this message to a close by saying this, that Jesus, you know, turned the extraordinary, the ordinary into the extraordinary when He performed that miracle. It was not just wine, But it was great wine, great one wine. A plus plus. Very, very good wine. And Jesus can do just that with each one of our lives. He can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Believe me. Believe me. He can do that. Don't you ever think less of yourself. You are special. You are created in the image of God. God loves you. And God has got a plan for your life. This morning can be a a, a very powerful, meaningful service and morning for you. This morning can be a day in your life that will change the trajectory of a life forever. And God wants to do some beautiful, wonderful things in your life. You see... Jesus wasn't rude to the mother when Jesus, when, the, when, when Jesus said, woman, what have I to do with you? This is not our time, not yet. this is not our problem, to call woman. No, no, Jesus wasn't rude to the mother because there are other times like on the cross when he was about to die, and was about to breathe his last breath. He looked at his mother, he looked at John, the disciples, He knew he was going to leave this world. He loved his earthly mother, so to speak. And he said to the mother and called her mother, not woman. Mother, looking at John, your son. Looking at John and turning towards the mother, John, your mother. But he says mother. But in that aspect, in the first time, in the first miracle, he says Woman. And the Bible says, knowing, and he says, not only that, my time, he says, What have I to do? This is not our problem. He says, My time has not yet come. In other words, Jesus in the timetable of God, his mission in life was that he was born not so much to live but to die. And he knew that he's going to go to the cross. So when you read John's gospel time and time again. You will read the passage and read phrases like, my time has not yet come, and Jesus says that. But in John chapter 13 onwards, at the Passover feast, all of a sudden the Bible says, knowing that his time has come, he began to show and demonstrate one last act, how far-reaching his love was when he washed his disciples' feet. So when he said to the the mother, my time has not yet come, woman, you know, it was not disrespectful, but it was in the context of God's overall plan, you know, for him to go to the cross. And even though his time has not yet come, yet he performed the miracle. See, God is not a reluctant God who does not want to bless us. Worship him, please come back. He is a God who is more than able, more than willing. The question is, are we willing to take just one step towards this God who loves us so much? Stand with me, won't you? We're going to sing this song, then we're going to close.